Hello and welcome to Gilmore Ball Z, the podcast where I show my wife Dragon Ball Z, she shows me Gilmore Girls, and we try to find some kind of common ground. I'm Grant. And I'm Paige. And this week we watched episode 55 of Dragon Ball Z Kai and season 3 episode 2 of Gilmore Girls. So, Paige, what happened this week on Dragon Ball Z Kai? So many bad style decisions. <laughs> yes. Um, but more more relevant to our audience and less relevant to the DBZ style corner I plan on having later this episode. We open on Frieza's bloody body drifting through space, his half a body after it gets, you know, cut in half, with boing noises. Like, boing, 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 boing. I don't... It's just part of their, their ambient... They've had it before. It's just part of their ambient soundtrack. It's the doing sounds. Yeah, usually not while bloody bodies are drifting It was a little space. strange. It was a little strange for that particular scene, so, yes. Uh, the, the bloody body basically hits... I mean, doesn't actually, but basically hits the windshield of a spaceship flying through space that happens to contain Dad Frieza. Should I call him Dad Frieza or Captain Cold? He's King Cold. Yeah, should I? That, that's not relevant to my question. <laughs> I know he's called King Cold. Should I call him Dad Freezer or Captain Cold? I'm giving you an option here. I think Captain Cold is pretty good. Okay, so Captain Cold is talking to his, you know, minions and is like, oh, there's my, my son's bloody body hitting the windshield. No, 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 hold on. If you're going to call him Captain Cold, that's to be, oh, wait, that's my son's bloody body on the windshield. Okay, how about this? I just say whatever I want him to say. You say it. <laughs> like Leonard Snart. Like Leonard Snart. And then you edit me out. We'll just do it that way. Apparently, Frieza is not dead, despite being half a body bleeding out in space. Uh, so they replace most of his body with cybernetics. And they decide that now is the time to go to Earth to beat this Saiyan ape. Because uh, Frieza is not dead anymore, but his only purpose in life is revenge. Back on Earth, Krillin is practicing and accidentally makes a tsunami... But somehow the tsunami proves to him that he'll never be as strong as Goku, and he's a sad man. Uh, Vegeta comes back from outer space and smells terrible. This is important uh, because he takes a shower and puts on a new outfit. Piccolo notices a strong power surge is coming from space and breaks out of the Arctic. Apparently, he was in the Arctic for some reason. He was just chilling out, breaking glaciers like you do. Literally. Um, oh, I thought he was trapped in a glacier, and he was breaking out of a... No, I think he was just chilling out in the Arctic, and when he felt Frieza coming, he went, ah, and smashed a glacier. Yeah, so Yamcha and Vegeta and Krillin and Gohan and Piccolo all kind of meet up in the same space to fight this new threat that's coming that feels a lot like Frieza New Game Plus and Frieza Senior. Um, and this is a chance for Yamcha and Vegeta to snipe some, because... Bulma seems to be feeling some things about Vegeta. That she's suddenly very much an apologist for Vegeta. She's a yeah, no, she and she's, she's teasing him a lot. She's making friends. Uh, but Yamcha is not a fan. Frieza lands with Captain Cold. Yamcha whines about how he's gonna die, and they're all ready to die except Yamcha, who is terrible. As Frieza is sending in Captain Cold's minions. To kill as many Earthlings as possible before Goku arrives in three hours. Where we get this number from, I'm not sure. But Goku is supposed to arrive in three hours and he wants to kill as many Earthlings as possible before then. So he's sending out Captain Cold's minions. And Captain Cold's minions fall to the ground dead. We pan up on a mysterious man who sounds like Jess and has Dean's hair. 
Except purple. Except purple. And he is a mystery man of great and terrible strength. I totally don't know who this guy is. Definitely not. I don't talk about him a lot because he's one of my favorite characters. No, what are you talking about? You don't have a cosplay ready. No, never. (laughs) Grant, what happened on Gilmore Girls? Oh, a lot happened on Gilmore Girls this week. It was juicy. So Lorelai and Emily are still on not good terms because of the big fight they had at the end of last episode. Uh, If you'll recall, they got in a great big blow-up fight after Lorelai told her about Christopher's girlfriend being pregnant and that all not working out. So we open on just Emily and Lorelai and Rory at Friday dinner having a very tense moment. And Rory's trying to do the usual Rory thing and be the peacekeeper between the two of them. And they're just not having any of it. And we get a nice highlight of how Emily can turn any situation bad when she wants. Where Lorelai tries to change the subject by noticing, oh, well, in the newspaper, look, this girl I went to class with shot her husband. And like, oh, yeah, caught her in bed with the the nanny and and shot him like 35 times and just like trying to, to... change the subject and emily's response is well at least she had a husband to shoot (laughs) which is just a delightful example of emily being awful and being capable of pooping in any jello so lorelei plot is mostly surrounding her relationship with her mother richard is conveniently away on business this episode but we did have she had kind of a c plot where kirk came into the the inn and asked lorelei on a date which she was not expecting, and he did in, in in proper awkward Kirk fashion, and so that's kind of a thing that's looming over the entire episode. Is you know she needs to give Kirk an answer. We found it like Luke encouraged him to do it because he thought it would be funny, and and everything. And that's, that's just kind of a fun subplot. And of course, at the end, she turns him down. It's it's just there to fill out time. Uh, but I figure I might as well put that up front. But yeah, so most of Lorelai's plot concerns. Uh, her relationship with Emily. So, after that Friday dinner, you get the impression that it was just generally tense like that the rest of the evening. And then, like, Lorelai ends up having to come to school for Rory's induction ceremony, I guess, her inauguration as class vice president with Paris. And Emily comes along to that, too. So, we get a scene of, like, Lorelai doesn't want to talk to her mom, and she's, like, debating back and forth between saving her a seat and not saving her a seat. And then, of course, Emily shows up and gives her crap for not saving a seat, blah, blah, blah. Things are still awkward between them. But then Emily reaches out and says, like, hey, let's have lunch. It's like, okay. Like, yeah, let's, let's go to that Luke's place you always talk about. I can meet you. How does one sound? Let's go get lunch. And Lola says, okay, fine. So she's dreading it and she's dreading it and she's dreading it. But she shows up at Luke's and she runs into Emily and they sit down, and they, they're just ordering their food. And she's trying to probe her, like, okay, Mom, what's this about? Like, oh, I just want to have lunch with my daughter. Okay, but this is weird. Like, I know, but I don't want it to be weird. I, I, I want to have lunch with my daughter. She says, okay, let's have a nice lunch then. And as the instant Lorelai lets her guard down, and then goes, so I've been talking to Christopher. You what? Yeah, so... Again, she lulls Emily or she lulls Lorelai into that false sense of security, gets her to step away from the jello, and then as soon as she turns her back, boom, poops in the jello. Maybe this joke is getting old. Never. Never. Um so she I I, I talked to Christopher. He doesn't love that woman. He never outright said it, but but he wants to be with you, Lorelai, and I think you should talk to him and 
he doesn't love her and then and, and Lorla is giving all the reasonable responses of like okay but she's pregnant he needs to be there for her and she's trying to say oh women have gotten pregnant all the time and it doesn't have to be a big deal which just really Emily's hypocrisy on display because I'm sure she wouldn't say the same thing if some if some man was you know was running out on Rory after getting her pregnant or something like that or even when Lorelai was in that situation yeah Lorelai gets very very mad at Emily and is telling her like do not speak to him this is not your business this is why I don't tell you things like you need to get out of this this is my life and I am handling the situation how I want to handle it please stay out of this please stay out of this and she storms out so she's stormed out on her mother twice now in the last week, week and a half. So obviously things are kind of at a fever pitch there. So it comes time for the next uh, Friday dinner and she tells, she's talking about how she doesn't want to go and Rory is, you know, pressuring her into going because Rory's job is to be the adult in the room. Um, and, you know, Lorelai's just telling Rory all about how she's angry at her mother and angry at, at Christopher and everything, just whatever. So they go back to another Friday dinner and like there's a little comedy bit about how Emily's new maid is terrible, but she doesn't want to fire her because Richard made a joke about how she's always firing her maids. So she wants to stick with this one. This one really is terrible and should be fired. Like doesn't know the difference between the oven and the doorbell. Um, and or 6.30 and 7. Yeah, can't time out a meal within a half an hour. Uh, so, you know, we're just looking like we're in for another just kind of frigid dinner scene. And then the doorbell rings, and the maid answers it, and Christopher walks in, and just comes after Lorelai, like, we need to talk, why aren't you answering my calls, what's going on? Yeah, the weird thing was, the script seemed drunk, but the way he was playing it wasn't drunk. No, I wonder if maybe there was a choice made, if there was a choice made later yeah. to change that. Because, yeah, I think that if you were to barge in having just driven from Boston and drunk, that... I think that would asking been a, to see his daughter. That would have been a bit much. Yeah, I think I think this is still in a place where we're supposed to like Christopher, even if the way he's acting right now is out of line, and we're supposed to kind of understand where he's coming from, because he's angry. And Lorelai and Christopher get into a legit screaming match in the house, and Lorelai is saying like, "We we do not need to have this conversation here in my mother's house. You know what are you doing here?" And then he snaps at her, saying like. I can't believe you're keeping Rory from me. And Lorelai says, I'm not keeping Rory from you. This has nothing to do with it. And then Rory storms out and joins, like, like player three enters the game here. It was, it was gripping. Rory storms out and starts yelling at her father, mm -hmm. saying, no, I'm not talking to you because I don't want to talk to you because you promised me that it was going to be different from now on and you were going to be there for me and this wasn't going to turn out this way and you let me down again and I don't want to talk to you. And... You know, maybe maybe it's better off if this kid you're having with Sherry gets to have a dad and you don't have to be my dad anymore. And it's serious. <laughs> and she storms off. And it's just bad. And so Christopher is, like, re just ready for round two with Lorelai to keep arguing with her. Well, and he even says, like, she didn't get there by herself, implying that Lorelai set her daughter up and... Yeah, turned Rory against And Lorelai's like... You don't know your kid. Yeah, like, no, this is how L Rory is. Like, if you think that I could do that, you don't understand your daughter. And so they're about to get into it again, and Emily just steps in and just says, Christopher, I think you should leave. And at first, Lorelai is like, Mom, you put him up to this, didn't you? And she's saying, no, I seriously didn't. And so she proves it by kicking him out on his ass. 
they have a nice moment. Emily Bishop gets to have another one of those nice quiet Kelly moments. Kelly Bishop. Emily Bishop's different. Another one of those nice quiet acting moments where she smiles for a second, like, you know, they just have a, a little, we may have our dis- disagreements, but you're still my daughter and I'm still your mother and I'm going to protect you moment. And then she has a look of horror on her face and she realizes something burning in the kitchen. Which is a different kind of comedy moment than Emily usually gets, but she still nails it. Oh, she nails it. Um, so, you know, they've they've come to an understanding once again, just long enough for her to poop in the jello next episode. Yeah. So that's that was the bulk of the episode that was the Lorelai plot. We also had a Rory plot. We had two Rory plots. We had really. two Rory plots. The the main Rory plot was that uh so, you know, the the student body presidential inauguration happens and so now Paris is running things and Rory is her vice president. And uh Francie has decided that she Francie wants Francie of the Puffs. Francie of the Puffs has decided that she's a senior class president, which I guess is different than the class president. Yes it is. There is I mean, I don't know how much you paid attention to your student politics, but there's the associated student body, president, vice president, all those things. Then there is the senior class president, like there's a junior class president, you know, like every class has their governorship. And then there's the associated student body that can come from any level, at least at my high school. I'm pretty sure that's not a real thing, but I'm going to believe you. That was a thing at my high school. I've never heard of that. Your high school was huge. How did you not have an associate? Wait, you didn't pay attention. I didn't pay attention. Uh, Anyway, so Francie of the Puffs is the senior class president president which is different than the student body president yes it is apparently and uh she wants to institute a a different policy that's counter to paris's agenda where nobody cares uh and something about hemlines and raising them on skirts but the problem is nobody cares because this is the puffs yeah uh i've just decided this is going to be my thing now for any plot involving francie because nobody cares okay so just to give a quick recap while grant refuses to care uh, Francie decides to queen bee it up and ask for higher hemlines, but also let Rory know that whatever policy Francie wants to put in place, she will manipulate Rory into putting it into place. Because she is the president leader of the, the, the sorority Illuminati at Chilton. Well, I mean, she's supposed to be the queen bee that Paris really didn't mean, like she wasn't good at fitting. The idea is that she has more political power behind the scenes, like a Cersei Lannister that Paris because hopes to be. Because she's... The leader of the most exclusive, the most exclusive Illuminati group, implying there's more than one at a private school in Connecticut. As I said, nobody cares. I think it's more about how she got to be the leader of the Illuminati in a private school in Connecticut with her, you know, manipulation. But moving on. The the point is, she's like, oh, you're going to make Paris do this thing. And I'm going to make you do that because I'm popular. Because we need drama with Rory and Paris And now. Rory says, uh, sure, and gets Paris to do the thing. And that's the Rory plot this episode. But also, Jess is still kissing his Jess girl. Shane. Who's all kissing-like. We find out her name is Shane, which is convenient, because if they sw- they can switch names, you know, you know, Jess is a girl's name, Shane's a boy's name, they can... I think it's funny. What is this convenient for? What situation would you need this? I have no idea. I'm just making an observation that he has a girl's name and his girlfriend has a boy's name. Sorry to all the male Jesses and rarer female Shanes in the audience. No, I mean, I'm all for, you know, if you want to, if you want to give, give your kid a name that is traditionally associated with a different gender, that's fine. I'm not judging. I'm just saying it's kind of funny that that, I feel like somebody in the writer's room did that on purpose. I'm just, somebody had in the writer's room had done that on purpose. Okay. Uh, yeah, so 
he's still with this Shane girl, and Rory's still obviously peeved about it, but doesn't want to talk about it because she's so happy with Dean. Uh, so at the end of the episode, she runs into Jess at the convenience store, or at the market, rather, and she's being grumpy and giving him the cold shoulder, and he's asking her why, and she's, like, not wanting to say, but, like, you know why. And he eventually, like, keeps playing dumb until she says, like, what happened at Suki's wedding, and now this? I was a little surprised. And he points out, you kissed me, then told me never to tell anyone about it, disappeared for six weeks, never called, never wrote, nothing, then came back and expected me to have just been sitting there waiting for you after we had not communicated what this thing was at all, and also you're still dating your boyfriend. And Rory has no good answer to that, because there is no good answer to that. Yeah. And she storms off. And so, yeah, so the episode ends with just Lorelai and Rory going back home to eat junk food after having confronted the sometimes dramatic men in their lives. Yeah. And that's what happened this week on, or on uh, Gilmore Girls. So tell me, what did you think of this week's Dragon Ball Z Kai? It was fine, uh, but I really want to get to these fashion choices. Okay, that's that's you've got you've got nothing more insightful to say than it this was fine. I mean, it was fine. It there on were character side, interactions. Well, yeah. On one side, I was very happy to have the character interactions, and if Frieza being a space cyborg seeking revenge had come after a shorter Frieza saga, I would be all on board. Mm-hmm. That's super sweet. Like, I want to see a murder space alien robot bent on revenge. I just don't want to see Frieza as a space murder alien robot bent on revenge. He got cut in half. I was so happy for him to die. I don't care about him. I don't care about his daddy issues. I want, like, if they had brought back Raccoon as an evil space robot, I might have questioned it, but I would have been more on board than Frieza again. Frieza, who we just spent the last half a season fighting. Yeah, no, and I, I like, actually that they are probably just going to use it very quickly to set up that uh, the the mystery man is hardcore and can just kill Frieza and Frieza's dad. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you predicted it. They're, they're kind of setting this up as, like, the misdirect. Yeah. Because you're supposed to think, like, oh, shit. No, he's getting warped. Mecha Frieza, yeah, exactly. Frieza's getting warped. It's supposed to be, like, oh, shit, we're doing Mecha Frieza, and this is what the new arc is going to be, is Mecha Frieza, and it's going to be Goku versus Frieza, part two, rematch. And yeah, this mysterious youth is just going to fucking trash Frieza. Yeah. And so it's 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 a nice, um, it's, it's a rare example, I think, of Toriyama purposely setting something up to subvert it. Yeah. Of like, laying out what w- would be a whole other arc in another show, of like, Frieza's on Earth now and he's back for revenge. And instead, it's going to be in two episodes, because this new guy's a badass. Yeah, no, and I liked the introduction of the new guy. I liked some of the character moments we've got. I liked a lot of that. I really loved Sassy Vegeta. Sassy Vegeta. Earth woman! Sassy Vegeta was a lot of fun. But Frieza just kind of ruined it for me, because I I just want him gone. Mm -hmm. And I know I'll get that soon, but what did you think of this week's episode of Gilmore Girls? Because it was juicy. Except the Francie. Yeah, see, this episode... Is Francie your Frieza? Francie's my Frieza, even though she hasn't been around for anywhere near as long. My feelings on this episode of Gilmore Girls, I think this is the most split I've ever been. Mm -hmm. I think, like, 
I, I, I feel like I'm on opposite poles of the earth with this episode of Gilmore Girls because I really, really, really liked the Lorelai plot. We had some really interesting interaction between Lorelai and Emily. We got to see the full scope of Emily's character in one episode. She got to be an out-of-touch rich woman. She got to be kind of frigid. She got to be, like, weird and manipulative and, like, kind of evil stepmothery. And she got to be someone who's willing to stick up for her daughter. Like, we got good Emily in there, too. We got the entire scope of Emily. I was not expecting Christopher to walk through that door. I about drop. I, I about drop my monocle into my martini when Christopher walked through that door. I did. I, when the doorbell rang, I was like, "Who's going to be at the door?" For, I legitimately had no idea. For the record, we do watch the episodes while wearing two monocles apiece mm-hmm. and drinking martinis that happen to be made entirely of water. Yes. I, 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 I did not know who was going to walk through that door, and it was Christopher! And then they got into this big shouting match, and it And was, then Rory got in the shouting And then Rory jumped in! It was hype, alright? <laughs> it was hype as fuck when Rory jumped in and told Christopher off for all- Because I love when Rory gets to be mad. Yeah. I really, really love when Rory gets to be mad, because, you know, there's so much anger in that little girl, and she has no idea how to get it out. But there's got to be so much anger and resentment in that petite little body, and she's just she just needs to. So I was so glad to just see her lay it all on on Christopher. It was delightful. And how did he feel about the Jess scene? The Jess stuff was good. Yeah, yeah. like I liked Jess. I think this is the first time Jess has really had a scene where he gets to go off on somebody, and he's in the right. right. Yeah, he's in the right in this case. Like this is a, a case where Jess got to to do his thing and it's the first scene where you really can't you can't fault him for what he's saying no and like sure he didn't call her but at the same time she has a boyfriend yeah she sent some really mixed messages to him and his uncle told him to step back and for once he listened and he was like okay fine i'll find some other hottie to make out with yeah like like his uncle told him to step back he didn't listen and what happened? He got kissed, told never to speak of it again, and then ghosted. Yeah. So he, I'm sure he was like, you know what? Maybe Luke was right. This situation's a little too crazy for me. And yeah, and then this other girl entered his life, and okay, they're not a great love story, but whatever. It's a teenage romance. They can they can make out some. Who knows, right? Yeah. Like, like I understand. I've been in a situation not that different from that when I was a teenager, right? Like, I could really, for the first time, I could really put myself in Jess's situation of like... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that is bullshit. Yeah, I probably would have done the same thing if I was in that situation and then some other girl wanted to go out with me. Yeah, right? So I'm really glad he got that. Because he's been such a controversial figure in the show so far. Yeah. And we finally were in a position where we could 100% get behind Jess. Yeah. Um, And really showcase how ridiculous Rory's being with this whole love triangle plot. of like, no, you are still dating Dean. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta stop that. You gotta stop that. So I really liked that. But oh my god. The Puff story was so dumb. Like, I'm the popular girl, so I want to change the dress code. And I'm gonna use my vague political power that I have from being popular to override how our student government apparently works. Okay, but also you're claiming that student governments have any power compared to social structures in high schools. I'm also going to get to this whole political structure thing in a minute when we talk about questions. This but, is going to be our longest episode. But there is also the fact that you're the student body president and the senior class president. 
Neither of you can do anything about the dress code. Otherwise, neither schools. of you can do anything about anything. You're the student body. What? What do you do? <laughs> you make sure the dances are better. You make sure the dances are better, and you make sure, like, you, you make posters for the high school. Yeah, and or you, like football team. Yeah, and then you show up at the the after school teacher meetings and talk for ten minutes while the teachers play on their phones. Like that's what the student like. Whatever. And it's just, uh, we're back to the girl Illuminati, and like, which I know isn't a real thing. Whatever. We're back to this Chilton Illuminati and this whole idea. No, keep calling it the girl Illuminati. Of, this is good. Of a secret society. Like, she calls it a secret society or an exclusive club or whatever it is she called it. Like, something patently fucking ridiculous. Secret sorority, I think? Something. I don't know, but it was stupid. And it's it, and the fact that it was the most exclusive of them at Chilton, implying there's more than one Chilton Illuminati. There's this whole underworld at Chilton that we've never heard of, and and like Rory's having to navigate it. So now she's like pulled into weird House of Cards, Game of Thrones bullshit when she's the vice president at the student council. And it's just this is not what I want out of Paris's plotline. I do not want Paris gets unwittingly turned into a political puppet by Rory Gilmore and fucking Francie. This is not what I want out of Paris. Oh, I'm so sorry about this season. And this is, I know, I know, this is all that Paris, we're going to have another, another season of me going, well, the Paris plot had some, some promising moments, but we also just got bogged down by fucking Francie. I can tell it. Mark my words. This is going to be my new Max Medina, is having to deal with this woman. Oh my god, she's just, she's obnoxious. Mm -hmm. She's shrill and she's obnoxious and her plots make no sense and everything she wants is stupid. Yep. Like, if, even if, if, if the thing that she wanted was even, like, I mean, I get it. Teenage girls want to be allowed to wear shorter skirts without getting, you know, getting harassed by... The, the faculty, I went, I'm, there were girls I knew in high school who had that same issue. There are girls I know now who are still complaining about it. Yeah, no, the Francie plot was just really, really dumb. And it was, it was not as dumb as the first Puffs episode, but still really dumb. And it is not a good portent for me of things to come, because I know this is going to be the Chilton plot. Yeah. Moving forward. And it's just, it's just so, it's... It's ridiculous even for Gilmore Girls. So I, I would like to have a complaint here that okay. is not at all related to the Francie plot. Amy Sherman Palladino has never lived in a small town. Yes, we've, we've discussed this. Yes, but even more. Um, so I forget if I bring, brought this up on the podcast or just in my life, but you can tell who's grown up in a small town because of what they discuss or don't discuss in public. Oh, yeah. I was going to talk about that. Yeah. They're just, they're just fucking talking about how she kissed Jess. When they're at Dean's place of employment, around Dean's coworkers. Yes. So uh, dumb move, Rory. I'm paranoid about this when I'm walking on the street because someone's cousin might be walking on the street. Cause that's what happens in small towns. But taking it one step further, I would never talk about cheating on my boyfriend in his place of work with his coworkers. Like, what is that? Just don't talk about cheating on your boyfriend in public. But even, like, there are so many other places they could do that. Like, they decided to set the scene in doses. Well, and even, moreover, they could, like, have it quietly in one of the aisles. That's no. still dumb, but it's a little better. But they were having it at normal conversation volume at the checkout counter. where the, In a very small market. Where the bag boy can definitely hear them. Like, this is not a grocery store. It's, like, you know, a little, like, bodega you know, yeah. size. That bag boy is definitely going to punch out, go home, and call Dean. Yeah. Be like, hey, Dean, your girlfriend came in and I got some news for you. You might want to sit down. Yes, I, I noticed that as well. 
Do you have any questions other than that one? Um, yes, I did have another question. Um, so actually, well, this is one that we've been talking around for a while, but I really want to stop and confront it because there is a, a scene in this episode where Lorelai opens a bag of marshmallows yep. and dumps it into a glass bowl. Rory pours milk into that glass bowl, and then they sit and both start no, spooning. They also pour in Rice Krispies. Oh, they also poured Rice Krispies in. Yes. So they're making their own Rice Krispie treat cereal. Yeah. Okay, anyway. They only eat it out of a single bowl, though. Anyway, my question, how do the Gilmore girls not have diabetes? Oh, that I have no idea. They just haven't checked for it yet. I just, I just, I, I really want to understand their metabolism. Yeah. Because Lorelai should definitely not be, Lorelai should not look that good. Some metabolisms are really weird. That's all I can say. Some metabolisms are really weird, but nah, I don't know. Just because she's skinny doesn't mean she's healthy. That's true. She could have, like, be on the fast track for diabetes and not know it yet. That's true. Because doctors will check you less closely if you are, you know, of a good BMI. Despite any possible underlying health conditions that may crop up, even when you are considered of a reasonable weight. I suppose so. I just find it a little hard to believe in this particular situation. Anyway, other question. I already alluded to it. Since when does the student body council have any effect on dress codes in the first place? <sighs> Who knows? Like, like, Chilton, I would believe that Chilton tries to be a more student-driven environment because they're trying to raise the leaders of tomorrow. And I would also believe that Paris is terrifying enough to get some things done that she shouldn't be able to get done. Because she seems to be, even though she's not good at talking to people, she seems to be good at intimidating adults. I mean, she got the librarian fired, apparently. Apparently. Um, but they don't have power over dress codes. Yeah, also, if if they did have power over dress codes, I feel like something like changing the dress codes for shorter skirts would have been done by a previous administration. Because we've gotten the vibe that like everybody at Chilton, except for Paris and Rory, all the girls are incredibly vapid. And every single male at Chilton is a dumb jock. Yeah. That is the vibe we have gotten. Except Brad. Except Brad. That's the vibe we've gotten. So if then presumably every council beforehand have been vapid girls and dumb jocks, then it should have been, hey, let's make the skirts shorter. Uh, yeah, that's also a good idea. Boom, passed. Yeah. Like, that was that was the other, that was like the really underlying thing that was so infuriating about the Francie plot was that... Her great agenda was something so nonsensical and stupid. I would, my my one argument for it, and I don't really believe the argument I'm about to make, is that she's getting in under the skin with something easy, so it's easier for her to make bigger asks over time she's wheedling her way in. Right. But it's still a stupid point to choose for the writers. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just a bad crux for the episode. Um, I think those are the only questions I had. Yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, just, I have a note all here, all caps, just, oh, fuck, Francie is here. Uh, and then later, oh, shit, Christopher showed up, which, <laughs> similarly structured notes, but one is a very negative reaction, one's a very positive reaction. I just thought we should have that shared. What are your questions for me about Dragon Ball Z Kai? Yeah, screw questions. It is DBZ-style corner, and I'm going to count down the top five Bad fashion decisions made in this episode. Okay, I also have a, a comment on the character's clothing in this episode, so we will get to that when you're done. Yeah, so this episode had some downtime. They're reflecting that year or so that's gone, you know, a little less than a year, but has gone past since uh, everybody came back and Goku disappeared. 
uh, and they choose to show this with some style changes. So the number, actually, I'm going to give a bonus. Quick bonus. It's not technically a fashion decision, but Cybernetic Frieza is the best fashion decision that was it's made. It's pretty this cool week. design. It's pretty cool. Uh, so number five, worst new outfit this week, Pink Vegeta. Okay. By worst, you mean best, right? Oh, I mean best. That's why it's number five. <laughs> um, but... Vegeta is given a pink, like, basically when he comes back, he smells horrible, and Bulma's like, you need to shower, and I'm washing your clothes, here, have this. But especially, she does the, like, you need to shower, and, like, runs her finger across his chest of his armor. Yeah. Like, the hey there, big boy thing, which is like, okay, we're leaning into this full force. Yeah. So what she gives him is bright yellow pants, I think? Yeah, bright a, yellow pants. And a button-up pink shirt. Uh, well, did you, notice, did you notice the back of the shirt? Does it say bad man? It says bad man across the back. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, but it is iconic. Uh, it is iconic. And he he refers to the shirt in a very derogatory way, which gave me my new Dragon Ball Z uh, band name uh-huh. for my, um, oh, what's it called? You know, when you have a band to honor a thing. A tribute band? Yeah, my, my Dragon Ball Z tribute band, Bulma and the Pink Monstrosity. <laughs> Number four is Gohan's mullet ponytail. Mm-hmm, yeah, he's got the he's got the little warrior's wolf tail thing going. Yeah, it looks like he had a mullet and then didn't cut it and now it's like long enough for him to pull back. It's a bad decision all around, but not as bad as number 3. Tien. Tien has a What was Tien wearing? He was wearing a plaid smoking jacket is what he was wearing and this is what he has decided he's going to beat up Frieza in. This ugly like reddish greenish plaid smoking jacket it was kind of like in charlie brown when there's someone wearing plaid while they're walking and the the, the the pattern moves with them it kind of reminded me of yeah, that or in like monkey island yeah yeah, yeah or like monkey island uh number two yamcha breaks one of the gilmore survival rules in this episode of gilmore girls <laughs> lorelei gilmore breaks down the gilmore survival rules including do not run with scissors and do not get a page boy haircut yamcha wasn't listening and yamcha looks like hot trash he does. But that doesn't beat the number one bad style decision in this episode, which is the Bulma Isle of Dogs perm. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? What was up with that? Bulma's got this, this, this like... She's got a fuzzy disco ball on her head, yeah, and no... she looks like the, like, transfer student from Isle of Dogs. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Bulma normally has this, like, very pretty, like, sort of a bob cut blue hair and looks very nice like Bulma's a pretty lady all Bulma's right Bulma's a pretty lady there's there's a reason that 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 you know you want to be careful where where you search her on DeviantArt right Bulma's yeah. Bulma's a very attractive woman and she's yeah she's got this weird perm thing where it's like it's like three times the size of her head this big poofy thing with the hairband holding it I don't know I, I, I can't answer that for you I'm not asking for answers I'm just making statements yeah what questions do you have? Uh, well, actually, I have one question that I'm surprised you're not asking because yep. it involves Dragon Ball time. Eh. So it's been a year since the battle on Namek. Right. Presumably King Cold picked up Frieza with enough time that he didn't die in the vacuum of space. Yeah. Put armor, put robotics on him, and then Frieza said, we need to go to Earth immediately. Yeah. So how did it take Fri- Frieza a year to get from Namek to Earth? Okay, A, I'm just pretty sure Frieza can't die in the vacuum of space. So he was there bleeding out for like four months, let's say. Takes another... Eight months to put cybernetics on him fully, and uh, two months. How many months are we up to now? It was a, it was a full year. Okay, let's say six months for cybernetics and two months for physical therapy. All right. 
I have no questions about that. Yeah, okay. Uh, also, a small... Either that or he was bleeding out of space for 12 months. A, a small fashion, uh, fashion faux pas that I noticed. So last episode, I pointed out that eight months later, Vegeta was still wearing the Saiyan armor, or four months later, Vegeta yeah. was still wearing the Saiyan armor with a hole in it. Yeah. When he comes back, the hole has been fixed. On the front, but not but the back. But he still has the hole in the back. Yeah, not the what? back. What? 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 <laughs> he fixed the front panel of his armor, but not the back. So I know we're running a little bit long, but there's there's another thing about these episodes that I kind of noticed was was interesting to me and jumped out at me is in both of these episodes, there were characters that weren't in it that I wish were. Dean? Richard. Richard. In Gilmore Girls, I really wanted Richard to be in that scene with Christopher. Mm. I, I, to see I, him, see Chris kind of being not a good father and good partner. Uh, yeah, and I just, I don't know. I really, I really wanted to see Richard's reaction to that whole situation. I understand why he wasn't there, both because probably they just couldn't get out of Herman for the week, mm -hmm. and because that episode was more specifically about Lorelai and Emily's relationship, and so it served the greater purpose of the episode better to have it just be Emily coming in to bail Lorelai out. Yeah. But I find Richard the most compelling in those high drama scenarios, and I really would love to see how he would react to Christopher acting that way. Because he seems to be pretty buddy-buddy with Christopher and think rather highly of him. So Christopher barging in and yelling at his daughter, yelling at his granddaughter, and trying to go harass Rory after she's made it clear she wants to be alone, that would have been really interesting, and I would have liked to see that. So I understand it served the episode better. In this episode of Dragon Ball Z Kai, this is the thing that I kind of wish they'd done a little differently. Because I agree, bringing Frieza back as a robot at this stage of the show is a little silly, in the expanded canon, he's technically not canon canon because he only shows up in the movies, but in, in the more widely accepted canon, Frieza also has a brother named Cooler. Of course he does. Yes, his name is Cooler. Uh, but Frieza has a brother named Cooler, and so there's, there's one or two movies where Goku fights Cooler. And so I think that it would have served a similar purpose and been a little less... Uh, a little less silly, I think. I, I think I still would have had an issue with it just because I'm bored with his family, but I think his brother searching for revenge, uh, getting a Die Hard 2 in there would have been good. Yeah, it, that was Die Hard 3, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Die Hard 3. But, uh, Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that would have been, been better because just at this point, it's just like, and Frieza still wasn't dead is a little silly, and it kind of diminishes the drama of the end of the Namek saga. Yep. And so it could have just as easily been Cooler's, or uh, Frieza's father and brother are here, and they're here for revenge, and Cooler is just as powerful as Frieza, right? Like, you could have gotten a similar effect. Oh, heck, you could have had Frieza's dad, who's more powerful than Frieza, seeking revenge for his son. Yeah, that's true. You wouldn't even need a you second need person. You don't need Cooler. No, but it would have been an interesting way to bring Cooler in. Um... So, yeah, that's that's just something that I thought was kind of interesting. Both of these episodes, I was sitting and thinking, man, I really wish this character was in this scene. Um, just kind of funny how it lined up that way. Yeah. <sighs> so who do we want to swap this week? You know what? Once again, another week, I don't want to swap anyone. I, I want to just give Jess and Yamcha a minute. 
<laughs> just give Jess and Yamjo a minute together. I want them to go to a chick flick and no, 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 they go to the batting cages. Okay, they go to the batting cages. Because I feel like Jess probably knows his way around uh, uh, the batting cages. And later Yamcha actually has a pretty, has a, a subplot where he has a, a successful career as a baseball player. Okay. So I think, I think they'd be able to bond over the batting cages. And they can talk about the women that done them wrong. Yeah, the women, the women what did them wrong. That send the mixed signals. Yeah. Yeah. And then run off with... Uh, Either a very short or very tall man. Yeah, or actually, I guess, no, actually, take it back. Just having Luke and Yamcha go to the batting cages. Luke cage. and Yamcha at the batting cages. Talking about their girlfriends who are like, I mean, Bulma's still presumably broken up, but who are looking at other men who are much shorter and less attractive than they are with like gelled hair all stick, black gelled hair all sticking up. I feel like they can bond. Is Vegeta less attractive than Yamcha? I don't find either of them very attractive. I'll admit it. Like, Vegeta took his shirt off in this episode and had a very Tommy Wiseau kind of look. He did have kind of a Tommy Wiseau-esque physique. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm usually pretty okay at judging attractive men in real life. It's attractive cartoon men I'm not as good at judging. (laughs) I'm just saying. That's a skill I don't have as a straight male. No, that's fair. But I will definitely say in this episode... When Jess was going off at Rory, Milo Ventimiglia was, you know, like, at his best. You, you had a little bit of... I had a little bit of... Okay, yeah. I like how we're making hand gestures for, like, fanning ourselves, but no one can see these. Yeah, no. I, I'm, and now I'm just curious what the hunk rating on Dragon Ball Z is. Eh. Eh, okay. Fans. Currently, the, the hunk rating for me is eh. Okay, I'm calling on our fans. Please tell me... Piccolo. Who's the... Well, obviously. Who's the hunkiest Z fighter? I, I, I don't know why. This has never occurred to me before, but now I'm really curious... What the fan base thinks. Who Who's the biggest hunk on Dragon Ball Z? I want to swap Vegeta and Jess in this episode. So, I mean, fair. <laughs> <laughs> they can just... <laughs> this won't change things much. I already established that. But I really, I really want to see just Vegeta... No, actually, no. I want to swap Vegeta and Christopher. Because I really want to see Vegeta yelling at Lorelai and calling her Earth Woman and 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 demanding why she will not bring him Kakarot. And, uh, you know, oh, you must know where he's hiding. And just his belligerence being brought to that scene. And then just like Christopher being confused and hitting on Bulma. Because he'd be fine. He'd be dropped in like, whoa, what's going on here? Oh, hey, pretty lady. It's all good. And he'd just like, and then infuriate Yamcha all over again. I think it would work out. Or he'd be so terrible that then Yamcha wouldn't look so bad by comparison, and Yamcha and Bulma would be happy together again. Okay, well, with that, I think that's Gilmore Ball Z for this week. So thank you all for listening. We'd love to hear from you on Facebook, which is Gilmore Ball Z. You can email us at gilmoreballz at gmail.com. Our WordPress is gilmoreballz.wordpress.com. And our Twitter is at gilmoreballz. We also have a subreddit, which is rgilmoreballz. You can leave a comment or start a new thread. And we have a Tumblr, which is gilmoreballz.tumblr.com. And as always, please uh, drop us a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Facebook. If you've reviewed us on one of those places, but not the others, go ahead and leave us a review on those two. Uh, We're pretty sure that's not cheating. I'm pretty sure that's not cheating. And, you know, iTunes in particular, it seems like reviews actually do uh, help spread the word and, like, make us show up more for people. So that's my understanding. I might be wrong. I think it's a large urban myth among podcasters, but in case it's right. In case it's true, please drop us a review on iTunes. So with that, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. So who is this mysterious badass youth?
Can Kirk ever find love again? And what is Francie's true political agenda? Oh my god, nobody cares! Find out next week on Gilmore Ballsy. <laughs> <laughs>